natura non confundetta est, loosely translated, don't fuck with mother nature. Should have to my pants off and piss all over him, but I didn't. I ref- I held back. You're supposed to piss on the jellyfish as retribution for him having <laughs> stung the guy. Not really piss on the sting at all, but you got to piss on the jellyfish. So you find the jellyfish and you give it a golden shower. That's what you do. Yeah. Don't look at me. I can't do it if you're looking at me. Dude, just writhing in pain. I was actually sitting on the beach and this kid ran out of uh, the ocean screaming that he got stung by a jellyfish. So. Oh, well. Welcome to the Horrible Film School, a safe place to watch scary movies. I'm Chris, joined today by my fellow Horribles, Mr. Hootie. What's up, fellas? I'm excited to talk about a sea creature today. The Professor Joseph. What's up, guys? Heavy spoilers ahead as we dive into 1989's Leviathan. Today's lesson, how to be a better boss in stressful situations. The year is 2027, and underwater mining is all the rage, and it is the latest chapter of destroying planet Earth. But as she always does, Mother Earth has a surprise for our ragtag group of aquatic miners. A secret is about to be let out of a bottle of booze that will doom the crew and force them to go to extreme measures in hopes of reaching the surface before it's too late. I did not pick up on the fact this was set in 2027. Was that on screen at the beginning, and I just totally blocked it out? You didn't see all that advanced technology they were using, like that screen on the outside of the guy's suit, talking about his PSI level and shit? Leviathan was directed by George P. Cosmatis, who you may know from Rambo Part Two and Tombstone. Tombstone's like, I don't know, it was probably my favorite western. Let's get into the cast of this film. The first character is Stephen Beck, played by Peter Weller, who, of course, everybody knows as RoboCop. And then another little indie classic called Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, this guy, outside of RoboCop, 2013 Star Trek in the Darkness, that's the only other like acting credit that I actually recognize him from. He did a little bit of voice work as well for the RoboCop character in the uh, DLC for the 2019 Mortal Kombat 11. So he's done a little bit of voice work for like video games and such. I have never seen RoboCop. This guy's actually what? a pretty... Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it either. Anytime it ever came on, I would immediately leave the room. It fucking you didn't, freaked me out. You didn't at least hang around for the first five minutes with Peter Wattick's dick blown off? It looks like shit. We actually just got a follower on the air. Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay7414. We appreciate you. Ooh, shout out. Hey, send her to my OnlyFans. Two more things on Peter Weller, because he is he's just a good B-movie actor. Um, one, he has a PhD, so good for Peter. And two, he's just like a good-looking dude. What what happened? You say good-looking dude. I'm, there's a scene a little bit later that I'm going to talk about that uh, might just change your mind on that. Okay, all right. I am riddled with suspense. All right, next up. Dr. Glenn Doc Thompson, played by Richard Krina, who was also in Rambo 1, 2, and 3. I think it's pronounced Krina. Is it Krina? Yeah, it's Krina. Okay, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, you added an E in there, but it's fine. No worries. 
Um, he's also, funny enough, he's in the movie uh, Hot Shorts Part 2. You guys remember Hot Shorts Part 2? Buzz Sixpack Parish, played by Daniel Stern. The legend himself, bro. All right, man. This guy has been in so many movies that I enjoyed in my youth. Uh, he played a part in Little Monsters with uh, Fred Savage. Uh, he was Marv, which is probably his most uh, most famous role uh, in Home Alone 1 and 2. He was in the movie as an actor and also directed it. Uh, Rookie of the Year, uh, if you remember that one, Chris. Fucky butt-loving! Dude, me and Chris, I would try to get him to break. I would try to get him to break my fucking arm so I could throw a fastball like that kid in Rookie of the Year. Like I was just constantly taking my arm and like sticking it at the door of the car and shit, <laughs> going down the road. Like, please just break. I want to throw a fastball. I want to play for the fucking Atlanta Braves. Break my fucking arm. I want Gary Busey as my stepdad now. I th- I think it, and he was also in Bushwhacked. But as a serious actor, I think he's probably known more for like. Like the City Slickers movie, but he'll always Love be City Marv. Slickers. He'll so good. always be Marv to me. Next up, we have Justin Jones, played by Ernie Hudson, who is in Ghostbusters and Congo. God damn it, you fucking asshole! I was gonna say that you just fucking ruined it. Did you check out his IMDb or anything like that and see how many actual acting credits he's he's accredited with? He's got a lot. Two hundred and forty-eight. He is a blue collar. Two hundred and forty-eight <laughs> times he's credited as an actor. Um, I was gonna list a bunch of shit that he's been in here, uh, but looking at the list, it kind of gave me a panic attack. Obviously, he's known as Winston from the uh, Ghostbuster movies. He'll actually be reprising his role as Winston in Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, due to come out by the end of the year, I think. But as uh, Professor Professor Ryan Professor Hootie Professor Fucking Spoiler Alert Professor Beekeeper. Uh, ruined it for everybody. He, to me, he is most famously known as Monroe Kelly in Congo. I'm your great white hunter for this trip, though I happen to be black. That's a fucking t-shirt. Next up, G.P. Cobb is played by Hector Elizondo, who is in Runaway Bride and The Princess Diaries. Also in Pretty Woman. The kind I'd like to meet, Pretty Woman. Let me see those feet. Ah, fucking Roy Orbison. Is that in the song? Feet? This dude's got the weirdest looking teeth in Hollywood. I just wanted to say that. He he really hitched his wagon to Julia Roberts, apparently. Hey, I'd hitch my wagon to that too, bro. That was a hell of a wagon to ride. Especially in the 90s. Next up, Miss Martin, played by Meg Foster. This lady apparently was very popular back in the day. I never saw her before. Um, she was in They Live and recently in Overlord. Yeah, she uh, she actually has a, a decent amount of horror movies accredited to her. Uh, as Hootie said, They Live, Overlord, uh, The Lords of Salem, 31, some Rob Zombie movies. Uh, and also Jeepers, Creepers 3. Ooh, the best one, some would say. Uh, yeah, uh, in in a lot of the fan reviews or the movie reviews in general, uh, people talk about Meg Foster. Like, I watched this movie just because of Meg Foster. Like, I didn't know this was a thing. Dude, her eyes are fucking piercing, man. Mm. She looks like the definition of a lizard person. That she does. It's a good take. She looks like she she looks like she's a part of some secret cabal or some shit. 
Two last mentions here, just so the audience knows the rest of the characters. Elizabeth Williams, played by Amanda Pays, and Bridget Bowman, played by Lisa Allabacher. Special recognition for the actual uh, writer of, of this movie, a man by the name David Webb Peoples. He wrote the story as well as the uh, screenplay. He's known for three other movies that are going to blow your fucking mind to hear in relation to this film. In a good or a bad way. Good way. He wrote Unforgiven. He also did the screenplay for Blade Runner. And also did the screenplay for a personal favorite of mine, as these other two movies are. And you guys are probably going to be on the fence about this, if not on the other side. Twelve Monkeys. If the audience has hung with, with us this long, they're probably asking, what the hell is a Leviathan? Well, let me tell you. The definition, in a biblical sense, it is a sea monster identified in different passages with the whale and the crocodile and the devil himself, or a very large aquatic creature. And they have been recorded incidents in history where they've actually um, played, like they, you can actually hear what they sound like. Just give us one second, we're going to access the uh, audio file. Hold on. <laughs> So this movie has a lot of backlash because something happened in the late, well, not even late, in 1989 specifically. In 1989, in order, this is what came out. Deep Star 6, The Abyss, Leviathan, The Evil Below, Lords of the Deep, The Rift. All those involve sea creatures in the bones of the film. You may be wondering how this movie was shot in so much water. Well, there wasn't any water at all. There are very few scenes in the film that were actually shot underwater as production went for the dry-for-wet look, with most of the scenes inside the shack or station taking place on sound stages and a tank measuring 130 feet by 270 feet. Wow, so you're telling me George P. Comatose didn't go down there and build a fucking underwater sea station? I'm super disappointed, bro. So a little bit on the creature itself, because you do see a creature at the end. Uh, in broad daylight, which is a weird way to put it. But anyway, in designing the creature of the film, Stan Winston and George P. Cosmatis went through a mini library of marine life pictures and medical reference books. They were inspired by the physiology of the natural world and came up with the idea of combining human body parts and elements of deep sea marine life into an unnatural creature never seen on film before. Next up is a little review from Chicago Tribune's David Kerr, who criticized the film, stating, In the dumb fun department, this well-made schlock thriller will doubtlessly be forgotten in two weeks. So with that, fellas, let's get in to 1989's Leviathan. After a very long opening credit sequence, we learn that our crew is 16,000 feet below the Atlantic Ocean, and our blue-collar workers possibly from Pittsburgh. They are extracting silver and other precious metals from the earth. The company they work for is Tri-Oceanic. So is this like a real job? I know you said this is like 2027. Is this something people really do, like right now? I don't think it's really a thing right now. It, it can't be. We got six years to figure it out. We got torpedoes and shit. We can blow up rocks and look at them. We find our crew completing a routine assignment outside of station number 7 on day 87 
of a 90-day shift. On the way back to the station, DeZeus loses oxygen to his suit. DeZeus! DeJesus. DeZeus. DeJesus. DeJesus. DeJesus? DeJesus. DeJesus, yeah. DeJesus. Man, during this scene, man, DeJesus, man, he got confused and shit. His air wasn't even working, bro. I didn't see DeJesus the whole fucking movie, dog. The PSI levels, man, the PSI levels was crazy. DeJesus. All right, how do you say his name? De Jesus. God, it's so many fucking syllables. On the way back to the station, De Jesus loses oxygen to his suit and is radioing back for help because the doctor is taking a mean deuce. Did you guys notice De Jesus's like face during this scene? Like why he's in the suit and he's struggling to breathe? It's almost like it's almost like there's a fucking grouper and it's gotta hold his sea cucumber and it's sucking the life out of his soul. Like, he's about to fucking nut hard he's ever did in his whole life. De Jesus survives the crisis, and the crew reconvene in the mess hall, only for Sixpack to tell De Jesus about what decompression does to the <laughs> I want to apologize to all our Spanish and Hispanic listeners for this uh, lack of sensitivity to <laughs> your names and... Uh, and your culture. I love spicy food. <laughs> this is just food. He eats a Chipotle. Professor <laughs> Professor Ryan's views do not reflect those of the podcast. Proud boys oh. only in Professor Hootie's class. <laughs> <laughs> only for six pack to tell De Jesus about what decompression does to the human body. I was confused. Like Beck's uh, like analysis of the situation. His ultimately, he just said. All right, just keep walking forward. It was all the, all the advice he gave them. Like, what the well, fuck? Well, you can see he's, like, panicking in the moment. Like, he do, he's not trained. He's not trained to, you know, know exactly what to do in this yeah, situation. Yeah, but he didn't do that's, anything is my point. That's Doc's job. Doc isn't there. But it, all, the, all the Doc would have said is just keep fucking walking. You'll get here in a minute and you'll be fine. That's all he did. He was pushing buttons. Exactly. All the buttons. All he did was fucking open the door and say, bring him in. That's what the fuck I would have said. I have zero knowledge of how this works. In that scene, apparently he's reading a book uh, about like how to be a manager or some shit. Yeah. And that was a very popular book in the 80s. It was like an actual self-help book. Did any of you happen to pause the movie when uh, Beck is talking to himself in the mirror, giving, him, giving himself his little hype-up speech? I, no, I did not pause the movie. All right. Peter Weller may have the biggest head of anybody in Hollywood. This thing is fucking massive. But the camera is zooming out on his face. And, you know, it's showing more and more of his face and his head. The camera has to zoom back at least three feet until it gets all that shit in the frame. I think the movie Megamind is, like, based on his likeness. If you watch Robocop, Joy, he has a shaved head. So you, you could imagine. Jesus Christ. Within the mess hall, we have a rather large Pepsi advertisement. Glad this outfit was given a sponsor. Made in the Carolinas, dog. Let's go. Crew is here consisting of Beck, Six Pack, De Jesus, Mr. Jones, Cobb, Williams, and Bowman. I got his name right there. The crew despises the dock, which pushes a pretty laid-back boss in Beck to check the dock in front of the crew. What you guys think of him checking the dock? I don't really think it's they despise the dock as much as they don't trust Beck as a leader. And I think he kind of shows that he's not leader material. As we find out, 
I think right after this scene, it's, he's just a geologist. He isn't, you know, any sort of, like, mining expert or anything. He just, you know, he, he can identify rocks. And yeah, he definitely had a pet rock as a child. Beck convinces the crew to work a double shift in order to have the next day off. Williams gets to work on fixing DeJesus' suit, and a spider-like creature pops out and attacks her. More reasons not to go in the fucking ocean. But during that scene, Mr. Jones and Cobb go to, like, the engine room, and he fixes the engine with a piece of bubble gum. So Sixpack goes to bed and is about to smack his salami when another spider creature emerges from under his bed. Who really, like, goes up to a bunk with, like, titties all over the wall, just about to fap right there in front of everybody? Doesn't even have, like, the curtain closed for privacy. Drinking brew and eating pussy. This is definitely Daniel Stern playing against type. Like, he's known as, like, the cut-up, but he's not known as, like, the fucking over-the-top, sexualized, perverted guy. Six-Pack blames Williams for the creature, and they get to go outside for a mining duty assignment. While mining, Six-Pack falls off the side of a cliff and is tangled in a tentacle-like seaweed. He had this crudely drawn number six on the fucking chest of his suit. And like as he's falling in the frame, it was like a it was like a frame behind him. It was like catching up to him. It was like yeah, those tube worms that they fall into are fucking massive. Do they really get that big? I wonder. Is that a real thing, tube worms? Yeah, tube worms is like an actual thing, but I'm not sure if they get that big. I think they thrive in like uh, like the uh, volcanic vents. I think they're called. Williams carefully goes down the cliff in search of six pack and finds a deteriorating Russian station, and then eventually finds Sixpack holding a cargo crate inside of it. Uh, one of the actual moments of horror, or terror, I guess, in the whole thing, when she was kind of navigating it, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and he just kind of pops out, kind of like, uh, I don't know, he looked like an alien form into himself when he first steps into the frame, only to be holding a big-ass chest, acting like a fucking fool. I'm fucking rich, bitch! The doctor does look at the at the ship's uh, name in Russian and tells the audience that it stands for Leviathan. Oh, he said the name of the movie. He, he said, said it. it. Yes. Back at the station, the crew open the crate to find a videotape of the captain's log and crew member files that all say deceased. I gotta bring this up. So, Beck is taking out these files, and apparently they're in Russian, and he's handing them to the doc. And the doc says, oh, this says, uh, this says deceased. And then he keeps handing them the same type files that all say deceased. But he keeps asking the doc, what do they say? <laughs> this guy says this guy's fucking fine. I don't know why he's even in the, in the group here. but <laughs> The last item they find is a bottle of Russian vodka, to which everyone is excited about and are ready to get boozed up. Doc and Beck review the findings of the captain's log and discover that the Russian station was sunk on purpose with a torpedo. The Russians didn't want whatever was discovered to get out. Classic Russians. The crew decides to have a little happy hour team bonding session and drink the bottle of Russian vodka together. However, someone swapped it for water. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. Water sucks. We learned Sixpack took a little of the vodka for himself before the swap occurred, 
and decides to share it with Bowman. The next morning, the doc is examining Sixpack and discovers something growing on his back that looks like boils. I think they're more appropriately scales, like that of a fish. Ba-boom. Beck takes Sixpack's place on the daily mining team while the doc takes a skin sample of Sixpack's scales. Sixpack dies. Off camera, man. I fucking hate that, man. It's like as soon as he dies, the tone of the movie changes, and there's no, there's no funny guy. Yeah, I thought they would have him like a moment at least for him because they gave him so much camera time in the first like thirty minutes that I'm like, okay, he's gonna have like a last hurrah, and then he's gonna obviously something is gonna happen to his body. Understandable, but it's like, oh yeah, he fucking died. From that moment, Ernie Hudson as uh, Justin Jones takes over the comic relief role, but he's definitely not. As funny as Daniel Stern. I was shocked that just, yeah, he just cut back and, oh, he's, he's just dead. All right, well, moving right along. Beck checks his body out with a mask that is definitely a sock covered with chicken wire. Oh, yeah, the mask was terrible. They decide not to tell the crew about Six Pack. Probably the best. Beck and Doc ask Miss Martin, who is the president of Trioceanic, to pick them up early due to a medical override. Miss Martin declines due to a hurricane moving into the area. Yeah, I feel like she was playing like uh, an android or something. It kind of reminded me of Blade Runner. That's, the, that's what I was talking about earlier when I said like a fucking lizard person, dude. So when the doc was like, he was chatting with somebody, right, on the computer. That was like a chat program. That was kind of confusing. Yeah, that was the first aim. He asked ASL to that Yeah, moment. I was like, is he yeah. interact? Because he was asking it questions. I was like... Is this how they think we're going to interact with computers in the future? Like, this is Google. He was like, what is this? What about this? I was like, or is he talking to a person directly? Bowman is getting sick, just like Six Pack had Who? before. Bowman? You said Boobman. Boobman. <laughs> I did not say Boobman. Boobman. That, yeah, that is actually stated earlier by, uh, by Six Pack, is how impressive her memories are. Got a nice pair there. Yeah, this dude was a Me Too movement waiting to happen. Bowman is getting sick just like Six Pack had before. She goes to the medical room to wait for the doc to come back because the dude's always gone. While there, she checks on Six Pack and sees that he's slowly turning into something not human. She freaks out and kills herself by slicing her wrist to save herself from becoming a Leviathan. Beck and Doc tell the crew the truth, because at this point, you kind of have to. They find out Sixpack and Bowman are being attached together to make a creature. This part I thought was kind of cool. It was fucking trippy, just to see the, uh, I guess how they played up that moment. When you first saw Sixpack, like, all congealed and changing, I was like, yeah, that was a pretty cool effect. And then the fact that they kind of, like, came together and, like, latched into the same being was... I thought it was pretty cool. One of my favorite moments of the film, but it's it's too much like I don't, I don't want to do it, but it's too much like another movie yeah. uh, for exactly. me to like really uh, hype it up too much. Just it kind of it kind of pisses me off, so I don't really I'm not going to talk about it. 
The crew goes to dispose of the creature, and before it is sent below, Cobb is scratched across the chest, and an arm of the beast is left behind. My titties! So why the fuck was the idea to flush a fish creature into the water to kill it? What the fuck was the logic behind that? What else you gonna do? Burn it? Yeah, I guess you could burn it. That's exactly what the fuck I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they have like eight flamethrowers for some reason under fucking water. Let's just put it outside and see what happens. uh, I was like, what the fuck? That's probably the one thing you shouldn't do. Put it in natural habitat. See, yeah. see what happens. Yeah. I got a fucking fire demon. I'm just going to chuck him into the flames here and let his ass burn. The doc informs Beck that the Russians were trying to genetically modify humans to be able to live underwater. Which sounds pretty cool. In essence, creating an Aquaman. And that what they are seeing is the aftermath of a terrible experiment. So I hear you can talk to fish. So again, back to the Russians. You have this aquatic creature that you're trying to destroy, contain. So you sink him to the bottom of the fucking ocean. What the fuck? So while the doc is figuring out about the Russians making Aquaman, Mr. Jones figures out that the Russians purposefully put the experiment in the bottle of vodka because they knew the Russian crew loved him some vodka. DeJesus decides to make popcorn. And while looking for the butter, he finds a giant leech oh, yes. that attaches to his body. Mr. Jones says, fuck this, locks his ass in the mess hall and gathers the crew. <laughs> that was a really cool effect with it uh, going up in his stomach, man. I thought that was some of the best. Uh, I, re- I really like I really like how it wraps around his arm, yeah. too. That was some of the best effect work as far as like as the symbiosis of the man and the actual being penetrated by the monster. It didn't get uh, It didn't get better from there. Don't get me wrong. Me talking shit about the movie isn't really downplaying how good the effects are because the effects are actually pretty pretty good this movie. Oh, yeah, Stan Winston's like an Academy Award winning effects guy. We, we've seen it before. The crew come back to find that whatever got to Jesus broke through the door and got out. The crew gathers weapons that include everything from a hedge trimmer to a flamethrower. They're pulling out mining equipment, flamethrowers, explosive devices, planned on using for self-defense. This girl whips out the only fucking hedge trimmer that's located at the bottom of the ocean. Why do they have lawn equipment two miles below the surface? Cobb and Doc get into a tight spot that requires them to cut a tentacle off of the sea monster that is now a full-blown leviathan. And they learn that it needs blood to survive. What are you tell me? We got a fucking Dracula down here? What's left of the crew puts together a plan to destroy the creature once and for all. I gotta note, these flamethrowers are badass. Yeah, I think that those they are They are, but do they even use them the entire movie? Effectively, no, they do not. Beck and Mr. Jones work to lure the creature into the bottom of the station in order to flush it out to sea. We're doing this again. We're coming back to Part it. Part two, we're already in a fucking sequel here. <laughs> It works well the first time. I mean, you know. Meanwhile, the doc is being a real dick. He leaves the group and launches the emergency escape pods, virtually killing the crew. As a man of science, he made the only decision he could make. Joey thinks he did it to save the world. 
He, he did. He he made the same decisions the Russians. Fuck made. no, dude. This dude was coming his pants, reading like the uh, the data he was collecting. Man, he wanted his name to be written down for. He wanted the name the name of the creature to be whatever the fuck his name was. Doc. Cobb is having a serious reaction to being cut across the chest from earlier. He has something growing in his chest and attacks the doctor. Know what connection that's from? I mean, I'm going to talk about it later on. I really don't want to get into it because it's already upset me thinking about it. (laughs) But the whole teeth hand thing, actually, I remember that from when I was younger. I'd seen... I don't know if I'd seen this scene before or like a trailer for the movie, but I remember that that particular sequence of, of the, the, the hand with, with the mouth. I thought it was a good effect. It's kind of nonsensical because we, we see in the next scene the doc is, is sitting there totally intact, no marks or anything on him, but he's somehow infected. Williams runs to get back and Mr. Jones, as they are the only crew members left alive. They receive a message from Mrs. Martin of Trioceanic who informs them that they will not be evacuated for another 48 hours. Martin says, I realize that you all must have gone through hell. And Mr. Jones says, Gone? Bitch, we're still here! Beck finds out that the hurricane is a cover-up, and the Trioceanic has already declared to the media that the crew have all died. Classic Corporation. The Leviathan cuts the oxygen off forcing the team to get out of the station quickly. Then, the Leviathan attacks Beck, and he retaliates by electrocuting it while it is submerged in water. This thing moves so fucking slow, man. The Leviathan? Yes. Well, it's like eight people in one creature. I mean, you know, it's like a little baby trying to learn how to walk. And they play it like a reveal, like you're not going to expect the people part of it. That's I was like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. Oh, yeah, Ernie Hudson says, like, I just saw the doc. Uh, it kind of upset me that we really don't get to see the doc, like, as as a monster. Like, we see a flash of his face, but you don't, you don't even see him on the, on the monster's body. Sections of the station begin to collapse, and it is a mad dash to exit for our ragged crew of three. Beck makes the call to use the underwater mining suits in order to get to the surface. Williams and Mr. Jones quickly get into theirs. However, the Leviathan breaks into the room before Beck can get into his suit, and he is forced to come face-to-face with the Beast. This is the showdown, fellas. Get hype. Beck uses a flare against the Beast and is able to get into his suit and escape before the station implodes. That's the whole fight. A flare was able to defeat the Beast. Well, not just a flare. He used a flare... And then he did some parkour shit where he jumped around him and then made like a great fall on the guy. Yeah, he knocked like the catwalk down on him, right? On it, not him, sorry. Yeah. More wonders about Mr. Peter Weller. Mr. Jones, Williams, and Beck make it all the way to the surface, which is 16,000 feet without stopping. Decompression would have killed them immediately. They had the suits, man. I didn't know that. They got out of the the suits, suits, dude. (sighs) They rode the suits. Then they the matched surface. the button, and the suit like did, the suit fell off, and then they held onto the hands, the helmet, and then they f- swam to the surface, dude. You don't even know. And they get to the surface, and whatever they were riding, those little pods are just gone. They're not there anymore. 
or just forgotten about. That'd have been badass if they would have went into the sky with like that momentum. <laughs> they just keep going. Fuck. This is a crazy know, the shit. Wanted, the, that one chick wanted to be a fucking astronaut, bro. So she gets to live that life. Oh shit! We got a first first class ticket to the moon. <laughs> Oh, I see that. Make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> it's a whole different fucking movie then. <laughs> they escape the facility, get to the surface. That's uh, Mr. Beck as well as Willie Williams and uh, Ernie Hudson's character, Justin Jones, only to run into a swarm of sharks. They had to throw in the fucking sharks. Had like, to. Come on. Lifeless eyes. Black eyes. Like a duel's eyes. They couldn't pull any more fucking references to irritate me to this point, but they got another one in. They got it in there, baby. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so they send a flare off out of the uh, out of the out of the fire and into the what is it? What is it? Out, out of, of the, the frying pan into the fire. Out of the frying pan into the fire. They send a flare off, and a lo- and a nearby Coast Guard chopper sees them for the rescue. And here's, I'll pause and say I think you two are already pissed off, but I get pissed off on this scene. Before the chopper arrives, the Leviathan is back and kills Mr. Jones. Why? Kills him two minutes before the movie's over. Doesn't really, like, stab him or anything crazy. He literally holds him under the water and drowns him. I didn't notice he was dead until they were on the ship. I was like, where the fuck is Ernie at? I had to rewind it. This is how unceremonious his death was. So... Apparently, Ernie Hudson got into like a, a full-blown argument with the director on why his character died. He was like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> and I gotta agree with him. <laughs> we concur. It was nonsensical. It didn't add anything to the film. Beck goes back and tries to save Mr. Jones, which does not work. But he throws a flare into the creature's mouth and says, Say ah, motherfucker. Say ah, motherfucker. Then he fucking hits him with that damn Chris Paul fucking teardrop floater, bro. And bangs that shit right into his mouth. Got him. Jump shot right into his fucking mouth. And, of course, you had to rip off fucking jaws right here. Instead of smile, you son of a bitch. You say, say ah, motherfucker. The classiness of smile, you son of a, versus say ah, motherfucker, tells you exactly the difference in those two movies. Another point is, why did it have to be daylight? Do we have to get the the creature in broad just the sunniest fucking day on earth. I feel like that was another nod to Jaws for me. That's why I was just so pissed off in the sequence, man. But you can't hide Jaws. The shark was in the water. Like You, you could hide stuff. This thing was fully out of the water. Broad daylight. <laughs> uh, but after that, the, the Leviathan is dead. So is Mr. Jones. So then what do we get? We get some uh, some music that apparently uh, the day has been saved. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> and he punches a woman in the face to yep, end yep, the movie. Yep. I was like, that's the perfect fucking stamp for everything that this just did. Back in Williams, meet Miss Martin of Tri-Oceanic in person on a nearby base. And Beck punches her out. The end. And he's so fucking happy about it. doesn't give a shit that everyone just died. He's got his arm around this hot would-be astronaut. Just punched a woman in the fucking face, and he's ready to go get his dick sucked. I was so confused in the last five minutes of this film. And the, the way this creature works, right, is if you break it into pieces, it can reproduce, right? He just yeah. scattered into a million pieces. There's a million of these fucking things in the water now. So to Joy's question earlier, what's in the, what's in the ocean? Now we know. 
So with that, fellas, what piece of memorabilia from Leviathan would you want to have? Uh, for me, I, I'd really like to have one of the mining suits. I just think it'd be so fucking cool to be walking around on the ocean floor and to uh, truly experience the uh, the abyss. You could just wear it like walking around Walmart and shit, too. I'm going to go with one of those badass flamethrowers. Yeah, those underwater flamethrowers who are so fucking useful. Exactly. Had uh, zero practical use here, but they look pretty fucking cool. You make fun of those flamethrowers, Joey. In Deep Star 6, they use fucking shotguns underwater. Let me guess who do you want the fucking underwater head streamer? No. No, no, no. I actually want to agree with Chris. I want a fucking flamethrower. Those things were badass, man. It was like totally 80s. And, uh... Yeah, they had like three fuel sources too, so it was like a tr- like a trips flame. That was cool. So with that, let's get a little into the fan reviews. What do the fans think about this? Besides some obvious that I'm sure Joy's going to get into in just a few minutes. First up, Brian O says, "Not going to lie, Daniel Stern makes this film one and a half stars." So I'm not sure what exactly <laughs> made, but. Uh, <laughs> He made the uh, shit sandwich. It was all right for a bite. <laughs> and next up, just because uh, just this sounds, just this is Leviathan. Jim R. says, yo, this movie is great. Forget what these dipshits are saying. Four and a half stars. Four See, that's what I'm talking about. Half. This movie is so divisive, man. It really is. I say that because this dude's name is Jim R. So I'm thinking this is good old Jim Ross from WWE. And he's saying, yo, this movie's stomping a mud hole in somebody's ass. Oh, he put a mud hole in the Leviathan's ass. <laughs> Four and a half stars. Four and a half. Let's just say this guy gave the fucking Godfather a five, just yeah. for shits and giggles. He thinks this is that fucking close to a perfect movie. Uh, well, I appreciate the fact he loves it. I won't take that from him. I mean, I'm not going to hate Jim Ross. You can, Chris, but I'm not going to. Man, that's great barbecue sauce. J.R. <laughs> So I will go first on what I thought of the film before you two sandbagging sons of bitches just destroy it. This is this was my pick. The fucking guy who is who loves this movie who can't pronounce half the character's name. <laughs> just the one. Just the, the one. The goose. The, go, the goose. <laughs> the fucking. The de Jesus. The Jesus, bro. The Jesus. <laughs> All right. While not original. <laughs> The end. Fuck, <laughs> I mean, shit. Roll credits. Get us out of here. Ding, 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 right. ding, ding. While not original. What do we have for him, <laughs> While not original, Leviathan brings the best of what the 80s had to offer in regards to creature films. Sure, we can connect on how it borrowed from Alien, The Thing, and The Abyss, but looking back, I wish we had more movies like this now. The special effects are decent, and the cast is pretty damn good for a low-budget underwater film. I give this film a B for badass. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead with my letter grade, because uh, I guess it kind of personifies what I was going to say here. I'm going to give this a C. This is about as average as it gets. I've learned through this podcast I'm not really a big uh, creature feature fan. Um has to be a real banger for me to buy into a creature feature, it seems. Um Never really thought on which like subgenre is my favorite, but I think I'm a slasher guy. The more I think about it, so. But this was fine. I like the setup. The cast was pretty solid, as Hoodie alluded to. 
But just like fucking Friday the 13th, the fact that I have seen so many of the influences that this thing is straight ripping from makes it hard for me to love it. The monster had like shoddy screen time and it just, I don't know, I don't think it was as impressive as the monsters in the movies that it's borrowing from. So in the end, it just makes me want to watch John Carpenter's The Thing again. All right, I'm not going to go into super big detail of ripping this movie a new asshole, but uh, I'm going to give uh, 1989's Leviathan a D. Uh, it's more along the lines of, I guess, a C- minus in a traditional uh, grading sense, but Professor Joey doesn't believe in the whole plus or minus system. Joey don't play that shit. <laughs> At its core, Leviathan is little more than a ripoff of uh, Alien and the Thing, uh, which happens to be my all-time favorite horror film. Although I don't think this movie is as bad as a lot of critics herald it to be, it does feel like I've seen this movie before, even though this is my first time viewing. It's just that predictable. The creature's forgettable, forgettable, and the performances, aside from Ernie Hudson and Peter Weller, definitely leave something to be desired. As a huge fan of monster-driven horror, it's hard for me to recommend this movie, yet there may be something here for the most diehard of special effects and uh, creature feature fans. Just don't expect anything original or unique, and you may just find yourself enjoying Leviathan. Can I pose a question before we close out 1989's Leviathan? If this movie, so since this like weird obsession with underwater horror films, it kind of went dry, no pun intended, until like Underwater came out a few years ago. So if it would have been spread out, like say Leviathan came out in the mid-2000s, would it have been differently received? Oh yeah, I'd say so. I think is kind of what Joey was saying, that this was very much uh, critically bashed, much more than it deserved. It was not nearly as bad as critical opinion seems to make it out to be. Seeing it for the first time in 2021 is not nearly as bad as the reviews would make you think. Well, with that being the case, which one of the underwater scary movies or horror films is supposed to be the one that's like the banker? Supposedly the Abyss. abyss? I don't even think the Abyss is that good. It's not that scary. It's not that good. But it's not that good. I mean, really, even comparing itself to the rest of these movies, they're all pretty mediocre. It's a technical feat is what it is. It's James Cameron going underwater, and he literally goes underwater. He always does this shit to the next level. So Joey just said there is yet to be a quality underwater horror film. There's probably one like specific one we're missing on. It's probably some shit somebody's thinking of right now. So with that, Chris, how close were we to the fan score of Leviathan? Dude, I think we were all over the place with this, weren't we? Yeah, so I'll recap our scores here. We watched the trailer uh, last episode, I myself guessed it would have a 60% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Mr. Hootie said a 44, and Joseph said a 50. So we're not too scattered, but uh, yeah, we kind of ranged out more than we usually do. The actual audience score, this is pretty fucking unbelievable, honestly, is a 26%. See, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's so weird. The movie's bad. I don't like the movie. It's not that fucking bad. And it's an audience score, too. It's kind of surprising me. Maybe critically I can understand that, but... I would even argue the first half of the movie, before the monster really gets, you know, over-the-top headhunting and, and burning everyone, is actually like a really good slow-burn type horror film. 
All right, boys, with our guesses being so far off the mark, looks like we're going to have to spin this random wheel to determine what we will be watching next. The wheel has been spun. Fuck yes. Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah. All right. Introducing our next film, we shall be reviewing Slither from 2006. From Universal Pictures comes a film so shocking. Uh, we've got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. They're doing things to people, turning them into some kind of monsters. Is it Pam from The Office? Yeah, it was Pam. Yeah, it's Pam. Fuck yeah. Oh, is it the castle, dude? Yeah, it's fucking Nathan Fillion. That's my dude, man. All right, boys, with the trailer in the books, we're going to go ahead and take this moment to guess that Rotten Tomatoes user fan score for Slither 2006. I really like this movie, but I don't think it's, like, considered good. It was very popular, Little Joy. This thing was big when it came out. I'm going 71. Uh, me being the negative Nancy, I'll go a little bit lower. I'll say 65. I'm going to say a 77. All right, folks, that's going to do it for another episode of the Horrible Film School. Thanks for listening. You can find us on damn near any podcast platform. Check out the socials and whatnot on the website, horriblefilmschool.com. Subscribe, follow, review to spread the love. Uh, if you have access to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there. Apparently those are like uh, the barometer for good podcasts. So we'd appreciate that. I'm going to use my sign off here to offer my support to women training to be astronauts. You go get them. As always, please tell at least one person that you know about the show. Spread the love. Spread the campaign. And I know that summer's sort of wrapping up. We're almost about to hit Labor Day. But as you do go to the beach, make sure you go out there into the deep. And you might find yourself a Leviathan. And then you can ask it if it is just a conglomeration of other fucking films. And with that, I'm out. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We really appreciate the love, the support, everything you guys uh, provide to us. It, uh, it drives us to try and create better and better content every week. So good night, goodbye, farewell, I mean this ain't.